Hello, coders. Good afternoon. It is December the 23rd. It's a Thursday. This means that it is the last How to Code Well podcast of 2021. And I thought it would be a great idea to talk about some trends, some things that are happening in the web and stuff that I'm looking forward to and stuff that I'm not looking forward to in 2021. So what I'm going to do is first go through the changelog and then I've got a just a series of sentences of certain topics that I wouldn't mind sort of picking apart, certain technologies that I think are um, going to change the way we develop in 2022. Uh, it's going to be fun. So first of all, let's get into the changelog. Um, so, so I have finished the second from last lesson in the PHP course. So that is still going on. I was hoping to get it finished by now, but it's just, it's taking a long time to do. As I'm sure you're aware when you're watching the Tuesday streams, it's uh, all, all fun and games. Um, we have done some bits and pieces, or I've done some bits and pieces on um, the howtocodewell.net site. Uh, I'm integrating all sorts of um, different uh, the unit tests that I've I've been adding to change the subscription model to a uh, more of a add a course model by purchasing a single item sort of model. So changing the the that kind of business model on, on that that's that's slowly happening in the background. Um, one thing I did do this uh, this week on I think it was Tuesday evening, late Tuesday evening after the after the live stream is um, I installed the new version of PHP Stan, which is PHP Stan uh, version one. And um, I didn't up up the uh, level uh, to level nine, which you can now do. I just ran it uh, as the new version and it found more things. So originally it was on level eight and um, level eight on the new version actually finds more bits and pieces and they are getting incredibly difficult to, to solve, but I managed it. It took a while, took several hours to get, uh, to get sorted. So that's, that's going on. I'm going to be uh, doing a lot of this sort of stuff in the background over the, over the coming, uh, downtime period, but I won't be streaming, uh, until the new year. So this is the last time I will be live, uh, on either Twitch or on, um, uh, YouTube until the new year. I've decided to give myself a little bit of a break, bit of a downtime, because yes, I'm going to be coding. I'm going to be, you know, probably sat downstairs watching a film whilst coding. You know, that's what I usually do. Um, but I won't be doing anything live. I, I think it's, that puts an extra bit of pressure on you. So I'm just going to chill out. I'm going to chill out and uh, be around people that I love and care about um, with the whole COVID thing that's happened. <laughs> Obviously, last Christmas wasn't great. So I'm going to take this as an opportunity to um, to, to shut the laptop lid down and uh, spend some time with around people that I care about. Um, okay. So... We're going to get into this uh, this sort of interesting, I've called it a guide. I don't know if it's a guide more of sort of these are things that I'm interested in. However, at the back of this, I have like what you should, what in my opinion, what you should learn. Um, so I suppose it is a bit of a guide. But essentially what I've come up with 
I started doing this. I started uh, writing these notes down because I wanted to do a topic on um, web development myths. You know, the things that people say are going to happen and never actually happen or um, the things that influencers say are going to happen. This is the hottest topic and then it never really does. So I kind of wanted to do it that way, but it kind of turned more into a guide of what to look out for, what not to look out for. I suppose I've kind of, you know, um, yeah, I, I'm going to caveat all of this by saying I'm probably going to get a lot of this wrong. <laughs> all right. I'm probably going to get a lot of this wrong. Okay. So the first one, let's just start from the top and work our way down. The first one, um, and this is in by no means any, in any particular order. The first one is around WebAssembly. So I do not believe that in 2022, WebAssembly will replace JavaScript. <laughs> I know that there are people out there who are suggesting it will do. I personally don't think it, it will because, um, well, because of the traction that JavaScript already has uh, to replace well, WebAssembly allows you to create uh, different apps or different things on the web using very different technologies um, that aren't web-based technologies that allows you to do things incredibly fast. But this has been something that has been toted for ages, for years, in fact. And it hasn't, in my opinion, actually come too much. I mean, it's certainly improving, don't get me wrong, but it's not actually taking over anything. I thought when it was when it was first announced and people were using it, I actually thought it was going to be a, a great way of creating online games um where you you can you can be in the browser but be in the game and actually play games in the browser. I thought that was going to be a huge thing. It hasn't really turned out that way. Might It might do in the future, but I don't think it will. And I certainly don't think it's going to replace JavaScript at all, especially not in 2022. Uh, however, it's certainly something to look out for. Next one um, is GitHub Actions. GitHub Actions came out um, fairly recently and everyone was panicking about it because it was like, oh my God, we've got this automated tool that can write code. We are now doomed. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to take my job. I don't think that's the case. I certainly don't think that's the case, especially not in 2022. So GitHub Actions won't replace you. Um, I think that there is certainly space for GitHub Actions or automated code to be created, but I don't think it's going to replace the actual developer. In fact, I, I would go out on a limb and say, I don't even think it will. You know, I don't I don't think that there'll ever be a time where a code will just write itself. I think there's always going to need to be a little bit of human intervention um, there. So don't worry about that. Next thing is Next.js won't replace PHP. A lot of people were saying that it would because we've kind of gone full circle in the sense that, you know, you've got... Um, uh, we, we, we created websites that had, uh, PHP on the, or Python or whatever backend language on the, uh, to make your pages dynamic and stuff. And then JavaScript came along and that went on to the client and then it communicated through sort of rest requests to JavaScript to, uh, to the backend. And now we've gone into full circle mode where we can do a lot of this dynamic stuff in, um, Next.js. 
and people are like, oh, well, that surely that should just replace PHP. I don't think it will. I don't think it will at all. PHP has uh, come huge, huge leaps and bounds just this year, just this month. <laughs> so I don't think there's any worry or concern over PHP. I'm certainly not thinking about switching to um, uh, something else. Let's just say that. Um, hey, Bernard, thank you for joining. I do apologize for being a little late, uh, actually quite late, to be fair. I was having a bit of technical difficulties. For some reason, my Mac Mini just decided not to turn on, which was always <laughs> annoying. <laughs> and then when it did, it just decided not to recognize the keyboard. So a lot of things were against me. <laughs> to be fair, I should have started this half an hour before I, before I did. So, you know, it, it is my fault. I'll try and be, uh, try and get there on time. I've, I will do one, one podcast show. I will be here on time. I promise. <laughs> It won't, it just won't be, it just won't be this year because this is the last show, but I hope you're well, Bernard. Thank you for joining. I appreciate it. Now, next one is around AWS. Uh, no, 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 no. I've jumped on. The next one is PHP. I do not believe that PHP will replace Python. I think Python is, um, well, there is many things that you can use Python for. I'm off the top of my head. There's two things that will PHP will never be able to dethrone. One is the fact that, you know, data science and Python and the, the speed and the, of, of the algorithms that you can get, th get, you know, you, the, the, the juice that you can, you can extract from Python is far gonna, gonna be far greater than it would ever be on PHP. The other one is around micro uh, controllers you know, um, inbuilt system on a chip type things. You can do it with PHP. It's not great. Do it with Python. There's a far many more libraries out there. So uh, here I'm talking about things like, um, IOT devices and stuff, you know, um, Python just is the true winner in that, in that regard. So I don't think PHP will replace Python. Um, okay. So AWS, <laughs> AWS will continue to build. I was in a bad mood when I wrote this one. AWS will continue to build more stuff that you don't need, but will require you to use it for unrelated, but coupled together tasks. Oh, I was in a bad mood when I read, when I wrote that. So yeah, um, something I've noticed, especially this year. Uh, well, to be honest, it's, it's happened for, for many years, but this year, I guess, because I've been using it more. AWS seems to be building this huge, humongous suite of tools that um, they're all interlinked, and you kind of you 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 use one and you're like, well, I kind of need to use another one now because you know if I don't use the other thing, then it's not going to make the thing the original thing be as good as it as it should do because it's all this ecosystem, this 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 walled garden in, in the AWS sense. So I think next year, uh, AWS will just continue ch to churn out more features and tools that you don't actually necessarily need just to get a website out the door. But the way they do it is that, you know, they hook each of these tools together. And so you end up with this ginormous infrastructure in the cloud that you don't necessarily need. And I've seen this in, in, in a lot of places. So there we go. AWS will continue to build more stuff that you don't need, but will require you to use it for unrelated, but coupled together tasks. <laughs> 
Okay. So, um, and then, and then following down this, uh, the Google cloud thing, uh, the, the cloud thing. So Google cloud will always be catch playing catch up. I, I honestly think that AWS will be, they have the, they have the lead and they're going to run with the lead. Then they're, they've, they've already picked up the trophy, but they're running with it and they're not going to let that go. <laughs> They're not going to let that go and everyone else is following. Um, Docker will continue to be the containerization tool of choice. Uh, that is, um, that, I mean, obviously this is all my opinion, but I cannot see that in 2022, anything is going to touch Docker in, 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 um, just how embedded they are with everything. Um, even embedded in AWS, for instance, um, with uh, the all all of that jazz, however, there is there are competitors, sure, um, Podman, for example, um, but I don't think Podman will replace Docker. I think people will start to be interested in alternatives to Docker, but I don't think there'll ever be a, especially next year, just in next year, I don't think there will be a a, a, a Docker killer, if that makes sense. Okay, so then I started to. Um, Think a little bit outside the box here, and I, I'm going to put down. I'm going to lay down some predictions. <laughs> this is where I, it goes horribly wrong because a fall would predict what's going to happen in in uh, in next year. But you may have realised over the uh, over the last I don't know three months, I've been quite interested with Microsoft, even though I don't use Microsoft. Um, I, I I don't use Windows at all. But I'm very interested with how Microsoft are touching the web world or the developer's world, and they are influencing and directing it now in, in various ways. Like, for instance, they have GitHub, they have VS Code, they have LinkedIn, they have all sorts of things that devs can use, um, Azure, um, all sorts of stuff. So I think that Microsoft because it's also a hardware company, they might look towards uh, building a developer-centric laptop. Now, I have no inside knowledge into this whatsoever. As in, this is just a hunch. I don't know anybody who's on the board of Microsoft, of course, but I just think that this could be a smart move for them. So they've got all the software. They've got all the, the, the tools that a developer could use. They also are a hardware company. It just makes sense, in my opinion, that they become one together, which could mean that they would either buy a Linux hardware shop looking at you, System76, or um, some other, um, is it Tuxedo, Tuxedo or uh, some other some other Linux brand, um, which, which do hardware. I think that they may attempt some sort of purchase of a company that specializes specifically for developers. I think there is an untapped market there. Like I said, they have the hardware. Let's just say they build, for instance, developer pre-installed uh, machines. You know, you buy the machine, you've got all the things installed for you as a developer. I think that would be interesting. If they don't do that, then perhaps they would give more, uh, you do more towards the cloud-based developer sort of stuff. So cloud-based developer infrastructure. 
stuff that they've been talking about already regarding the the GitHub spaces that they could do. Um, <laughs> yeah, no worries, Bernard. I'll get to that. No problemo. It's a Nginx issue. Okay. Whew. Okay. Give me a second. <laughs> we'll run through some more of those and then I'll, and then I'll, uh, I'll, I'll answer that if that's okay. So, um, yes. So I think Microsoft may, may target or m- pivot towards building hardware for, uh, software developers. It kind of, in my opinion, that kind of makes, sense it's a bit it's it's not uncharted ground dell has done this you know dell has created uh developer specific things you've got people like system 76 that are building laptops that are um i mean you just have to see on their images and stuff on them on their media they're, they, you know, you've got the developer who is sat by a server and it's plugged into the server and they're writing code on the screen. You know, it's, we're not talking about someone who's sat in an office, you know, or writing spreadsheets. It's specifically for developers. There is obviously a market there. Um, so I think that, uh, that would be an interesting one. If that happens, who knows? Uh, Microsoft, uh, will, att- so yeah, Microsoft will attempt, attempt to buy a Linux. Uh, laptop manufacturer. That is my prediction for uh, 2022. I think that would be quite interesting. Probably won't work. I'll revisit this next year. <laughs> um, okay. Kubernetes will continue to dominate the cloud, I think. Uh, I don't think there is other competitors out there. I think that Kubernetes have, has already ran won that race, and I think that they are going to continue down that road. And I, I do believe, and we'll get to all, you know, what you should learn. I do believe Kubernetes is something that people should, if they're interested in DevOps, definitely, definitely consider learning. Um, but we'll get on to the learning stuff in a minute. Okay, so Web3... <laughs> Web 3 will not replace Web 2. I do not believe, well, okay, let's be 100% clear here. Web 2 and Web 1 still coexist because you can still write stuff uh, statically. You don't have to do anything dynamically if you don't want to. There is no, there is no, you know, the people didn't wake up one day and went, okay, let's just do Web 2. It's... <laughs> You know, you don't have to be Web 2 if you don't want to. And the same goes for Web 3. You don't have to be Web 3 if you don't want to. Whatever Web 3 is, um, it's certainly not going to replace what we currently have today. Definitely not. Uh, In terms of like a hard replacement. What I think will happen is that uh, when Web3 um, comes in through all the various blockchain technologies and the, the, the decentralized of it all i think it would become an add-on and i think that some um some things will be completely pointless to use the blockchain and i think you know blockchain is a very specific technology and i think that um that technology is going to be used in places where it really shouldn't (laughs) and i think there'll be other industries or markets or sectors that will be created or replaced because of the blockchain. But I don't think, but, but what I'm trying to say is that web three and web two are going to live together, (laughs) but I don't think web three is going to dominate. I don't think web theory three is going to dominate. And I don't think web three is going to replace, um, in 2022, uh, web services. However, (laughs) 
However, here we go. Here we go. This is where we get the tinfoil hat on. Uh, web services that offer subscriptions will introduce their own blockchains and wallets. Uh, so why did I say that? Well, okay. I think that a use case for the blockchain is subscription services. I, I, I think that having something that you have to uh, monitor and, and um, not monitor, that's not really the right term, but let's say for instance, you were a, subscribed to a game manufacturer so I don't know whether it's EA or Epic or whatever, and and you you were uh, playing games that they would provide, and each of those games had in-app purchases, so in-game purchases. I can see that this um, this this manufacturer of games would have its own uh, blockchain with its own, or there would be a blockchain for the particular. Uh, individual games that this manufacturer has, but there would be a, a coin or a token that you could share amongst those games. And obviously that would be translated to whatever the currency is, of course, through your wallet. But I, I can imagine that your, your um, game state, as well as your, what, uh, what uh, items you've got in your, I don't know if it's a, you know, an RPG or something, um, in your inventory, let's say you, you collect we- weapons along the way of the game or some assets along the way of the game. I can see all of that being quite, um, I can see that being stored quite well in a, in a, in a blockchain kind of uh, technology. And you can take that now wherever you go it doesn't have to be on the desktop you could now take that because you own the wallet you could take that on a mobile phone which means that you can things become interchangeable so for instance if the game was also on a like a nintendo switch or if it was on a xbox you could just log in share the wallet you know put in your 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 creds and then away you go um, and you can also send things to other gamers as well. I think that's quite an interesting stuff thing. But where where I'm thinking about subscriptions, I'm also thinking like Spotify. <laughs> so this, so just imagine if there was a if there was um if there was a platform like Spotify, and that platform allowed you to pay for um or, or give access no not give access if that platform allowed you to um i don't dare i use the word tip or donate or give money to artists um and you could perhaps create a wallet and that wallet you could put some money into some some specific coins into and then you could every time you listen to a particular song that would automatically be sending coins to that per, that that artist, and you could that artist could set certain thresholds. You know, if you listen to X amount of my songs, you get another song for free. That kind of thing. There's there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, room for maneuver. I think with that. Also, I I do believe that Bitcoin and 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 altcoins. There are there are. It's an interesting. Th- it's an interesting time as a creator because I think that that could also be used 
to help creators and also not only creators, but open source. So the big problem at the moment with open source, it's been a problem for a long time, um, is how do you, how do you, how do you sponsor an open source maintainer? Um, yes, there's, you know, GitHub sponsors. Yes, there's Patreon and all of that stuff and PayPal and all of this jazz. But when you're actually a big corporate company, you don't do that because you have your own finance departments and they work with invoicing. <laughs> they work with, um, you know, corporate sales. They don't have PayPal accounts. They don't have Patreon accounts. They don't have um, Google sponsorship accounts. Okay. They have <laughs> finance departments that deal with invoices. So I think that perhaps the crypto space could also be used to help open source maintainers. If a, a maintainer was able to um, maintain software and be paid in cryptocurrency, I think that would be awesome. I think that would be, and I, and I do believe that more developers would get on board if that was an option. Um, so that's my sort of web three stuff. Um, yeah. So uh, open source could be funded by crypto, a Spotify like company that focuses solely on podcasts could pay podcasters. That was another thing. Podcasters based on the number of listeners or, uh, or listen time. Uh, this could be done via the blockchain. So for instance, a song could be worth, X amount of, of, of coin, and that would be broken up by the amount of minutes or seconds that one listens to that. Um, maybe, I don't know. It, it's in, it, the thing is that this whole web three blockchain stuff, it's a, it's a very new world right now. So what I'm saying now, it could completely make no sense, or I could be listening back to this in five years time. I'd be like, yeah, I was on right on the dial there. Or no, that was terrible. The thing is, there's a lot of the, a lot of these ideas can already be uh, done uh, with the current set of technologies. So you've got to try and think of a way, you've got to try and think of what problem it is you're trying to solve. And if there is other technologies that can solve it better, um, but it really boils down to centralization and um, having like big companies have ownership over the creator's content. <laughs> I would much prefer a platform where I can actually give an artist money that doesn't have to go through something else that takes a cut for it, that I, I am not aware of how much money Spotify, for instance, I know I'm picking on Spotify. I am not aware of how much money Spotify gives to a creator, but I am aware of how much, how many times I play, um, a, a song, but I have no idea of the value of that song to, to the creator. Does that make sense? So I think that if there was more of a uh, transparency there, I think I would be more willing to um, pick on particular artists to listen to. Okay. All right. Enough of that. Enough of that. Okay. So more JavaScript frameworks will with, <laughs> right. More JavaScript frameworks uh, will have meta and web three type buzzwords in their titles <laughs> in 2022. I think we're going to see a raft of these web three dot JS's and these, I don't know, these NFT dot whatchamacallits and all of this jazz um, just because people can, 
rather than people should. Um, okay, so after that, we're going to talk about NPM because <laughs> uh, unfortunately, NPM has had a bit of a rough uh, a rough time of it, and I think unfortunately they're going to continue having a rough time of it because that's it's the nature of the beast unfortunately and when i mean rough time of it i mean these packages that are either low maintained or and and are like the linchpin of big things and when they go down everything else goes down or um hacks and and stuff like that i'm not going to get into too much of the muddy water there i don't get too depressing but what i think will happen off the offshoot of that will be there'll be more teams more invested in building their own things as well as trying to reduce the amount of dependencies that they have i think there's going to be a, a resurgence perhaps on the micro frameworks so smaller frameworks where you are more in control over the dependencies that that is contained in those frameworks i think um i mean that that really did push a few years back but i think that's going to happen again because of all of these issues that npm um it's not just npm there's you know it's it's happened to pip it's happened to all sorts of package management systems but i think people will start looking a little bit more um in detail as to what dependencies they've got and what they actually rely on to get their business running okay so um graphql will not replace rest in 2022 <laughs> People said it would in 2021. It never happened. <laughs> it never happened at all. Rest is uh, here to stay and it's going to get, um, I was going to say it's going to get better. It doesn't need to get better. It's as good as it's, it, it's, it's great. You know, rest is the thing that, um, that powers the web. Essentially it's, it's the communication protocol, uh, restful requests. And, um, I, I, Again, I've got it in the list of things to learn. Learn it <laughs> over GraphQL. Um, okay, so no SQL will not replace relational databases. I've actually noticed that there's more of a, a resurgence of relational databases um, than, say, MongoDB or or um, other, you know, DynamoDB, that kind of stuff. Uh, more people were like, oh, this, this is a cool technology, but, you know, I don't really know what to do with it. So... They they tried it for a little bit and then they went back to their relational databases, and um, that's uh, that's that's what I always thought would happen. I mean, there is a place for NoSQL, but it's it's a small place. It's a small little place. <laughs> it's certainly not going to outweigh a relational database um, and the benefits that come with a relational database. Okay, job requirements will start to require experience with the blockchain and dApps. So getting a bit serious now, this, I think we're, we're, we're coming to a point where the job market is going to actually, um, it's going to push developers to learn these technologies, even if they don't want to. Um, even if they're dead against crypto and all of this stuff, I think there is going to be more of a requirement for developers to have blockchain experience. Um, and I, I think that that j just that is going to fuel innovation. I think, um, I, I, I'm actually quite excited for next year in terms of the tech. 
Uh, serverless won't replace servers, but serverless technology will become more popular and it will become a sought after skill. So much like the blockchain, uh, having experience with serverless technologies, I think is vital for next year, especially if you're in DevOps. CICD will become the norm. So here I'm talking about continual integration as well as continual delivery. I think that will become the norm. In fact, I, I would struggle to work on projects that don't have at the very least continual integration. Um, I really don't think so. Uh, sorry, let me just get rid of some of these messages because they are uh, a little bit <laughs> for those listening on the podcast tomorrow. Uh, I have been spammed by this, this, this user seems to like to spam my channel, which is uh, a bit annoying, even though it's this person's been blocked. Anyway, anyway, getting back to the actual important stuff. Uh, so, hey, Jay, thank you very much for joining. Yes, Kubernetes is hard for a developer, and there is one could argue that it's more devel DevOps than um, operations than it is development. But I, I do think that um, it's an important skill to have. Um, to learn about how to have clusters of of applications running, um, and uh, I, I I do think that that it's I wouldn't say it's a requirement, but I think it's going to be a it's going to be a sought after skill, I reckon, especially for the back end developers, especially for the back end developers. Um, okay, so where are we at? Uh, CICD, we've done that. Okay, <laughs> all right. So in the next lockdown, in the next lo lockdown or next set of restrictions, I know I don't know where you, you everybody else is in the world, right? But um, uh, what happened here or in the lockdown um, was that uh, the markets just went a little crazy. Everyone got, got a little bit panicky. Um, you know, contractors started to lose their jobs and uh, <laughs> the full-time staff started to, you know, be more, um, more guarded. And uh, there was a period of time where the job markets went a little bit sort of funky, you know, um, the full-time positions were um, growing, whereas the contract freelance stuff was getting you know, smaller and smaller. And then once the panic had sort of settled down and once people started getting used to working from home and, um, you know, it when once it started to become the norm, things then started to pick up again. And for the better, actually, I, I think things have happened uh, for the better um, in terms of the market. It was an, it was a, it was almost like a, a needed injection, especially here in the UK, uh, to pardon the injection pun there, but um, it was it kind of um, was a little bit reassuring to see how how the market the job market I'm talking about here um, was able to quickly stabilize, um, which is very reassuring. But uh, but in terms of what I think will happen next year is in the next lockdown or the next set of restrictions, the job market will be better and cope better than it did in the first lockdown because people will now go, it wasn't so bad, you know, we can, we can uh, continue as we are or, you know, we'll scale a little bit down, but we won't go as crazy as we did last time where we just totally freaked out and <laughs> just... <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but in, you know, off the, off, off the back of that, um, like I mentioned earlier, there was remote working that became a requirement. Everyone was, you know, remote working and stuff. Uh, I do think that remote working will become the default for all levels of developers and designers. I think that, uh, remote working is just going to be rather than a rather than one of these benefits that you see rather than one of these things that is on the job job description that is um you know enticing it's just going to be the norm you know <laughs> it's just going to be the norm um and uh it it's just going to be yeah it's just going to be the norm for for not just us but for all sorts of industries um uh, where they can remote work obviously there are industries that you can't do that sure um but i think for us developers that is just going to be standard practice now i think uh, okay so virtual reality will improve but we won't b- need to put a helmet on to go to a meeting so in um obviously going back to the lockdown stuff there was a lot of these zoom calls and stuff and you know um uh, online meetings you had uh s- lots of people were using slack and discord and all sorts of microsoft teams and you had like zoom um got really huge i think that's going to continue i think those tools are obviously here to stay i don't think there's going to be any kind of dramatic shift in these kind of t- in these collaboration tools and i don't think uh, even though you know my as much as Mark Zuckerberg would like everyone to sit around a virtual table and, and uh, look like a anime character, um, I honestly don't think that's going to happen. I really don't think that's going to happen. Um, not next year. It might happen in the future, but there's too many things that has to happen before that. <laughs> not only in the not only in the actual interface, as in the it's it's not it needs to be as simple as clicking a link to go into a meeting it has to be as simple as it is today you know when you get into a meeting to to uh you know i just have to literally press a link and i'm in a meeting full of people talking about stuff there's no even things like the microphone and the speaking over people that we have kind of got to some sort of online meeting etiquette this sort of un unwritten rule where you put you, you put your mic mute on your mic on mute you know when you're not speaking that kind of kind of jazz i think that um the human element has has adapted to lockdown and remote working and and um these online meetings and i think virtual reality is just a big ask uh, right now and i think that that isn't going to happen in the very it's probably not going to happen for for many years in my opinion Okay, so Facebook or Twitter. This is going back to the cryptocurrencies. Facebook or Twitter uh, next year. This is another one of my interesting predictions. I think Facebook or Twitter will start selling adverts uh, with cryptocurrencies. So this is where you promote your tweets or you promote something on Facebook. Um, so for instance, if you're an advertiser on, on Facebook, you could promote something. I think that's going to be done through cryptocurrencies. I think that's probably a um the easiest easiest way in i think for 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 facebook and twitter is to sell space on those platforms and they could track uh user actual user interactions and they could also um 
map user interactions to uh, financial incentives or financial transactions, and that could be done on the blockchain. I think that's kind of a, a nice little uh, thing that they could they could do, and that's you know an easy thing. That, that well, I shouldn't say an easy thing. I think that might be the first thing that they do in order to actually get onto the into the crypto space. Um, and I think that something will happen next year regarding Facebook or Twitter in that kind of sense. Okay, so APIs will still be king. That's um, a definite. If you don't know how to write an API or interact with an API, now is the time to do it. Okay, so headless CMSs will become more popular. So it's now, you know, when when the whole mobile first thing came out uh, a couple of years back, I was kind of umming and ahhing when I was still in the freelance space. I was coming umming and ahhing as to putting that on as a requirement. You know, like, does it have to be mobile first? You know, I would have to explain to uh, clients about mobile first technologies, designing it with the mobile mobile in mind first. Um, now that's becoming the norm, right? Now that's becoming the norm. It's it's um, it's now an assumption that all uh, designs for all things on the web will have a mobile counterpart, and that will become mobile first. We don't call it mobile first, but it is mobile first. You know, the client doesn't care whether it's called mobile first or mobile second, but they are they are um, assuming that it will be working just as as it well as it does, or if not better on a mobile device than it does on a desktop. Where am I going with this? Well, with headless CMSs, I think this is also going to be another one of those things. Obviously, the clients won't care about the technology, um, not as much as us developers will, but I think that content management systems will be less coupled towards the front end. I think that um, most content management systems now have a headless aspect to them, which means that the front end can be created in all sorts of weird and wonderful, as well as the back end, weird and wonderful technologies. Um, and this is off the back of the APIs. APIs will still be king because they are the they are the the glue, if you will, for both the back end and the front end. Okay, so that's my rundown of the predictions, I suppose, of what I think might happen in, in 2022. I think it's an interesting creative time at the moment. Uh, a lot of things are happening, a lot of moving parts. It's, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm kind of waiting for a big uh, company to go all in on certain technologies um, and and see where they 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 want to go with uh, with this. I'm, I'm here. I'm talking about the blockchain and and uh, and other other things, you know, WebAssembly and stuff. Um, but what I've done is I've created like a, a sort of a bringing everything down to earth um, list of things for people to tick off if they have or haven't already learnt it. And if they haven't learned it, then I recommend learning it in 2022. There's not a lot here, uh, but let's have a go. So first of all, if you don't know MVC or CRUD, then now is the time to learn it. Because these two <laughs> um, design principles in terms of, um, you know, model uh, view controller um, and uh, create, remove, update and delete, or 
or, or whatever. Um, th- these are things that um, everybody should know, and I think that uh, if you're if like if you just started last week, probably not a good idea to to jump in to this. But at least know that this this is a requirement going forward. And if you are a developer and you don't know what that any of this means, CRUD or MVC, then now is the time to learn learn it and learn it well. Same with RESTful APIs, as I've just mentioned above. So learning how to create an API, how to um, access an API, how to deal with um, error codes, what do they mean? Uh, learn how they work um, because I do think that APIs are still king and they're going to be king, um, especially over things like GraphQL and also headless CMSs. So if you're, if you're thinking about building a content management system or using a content management system, like a third party content management system from somewhere, I think one of the requirements needs to be a technical requirement needs to be headless. I think if it's not headless, then, you know, it's snail technology. It needs to be headless. Um, even if you're not using headless, even if it's, even if headless isn't a requirement in your project, I think that having it as an option is such a good idea because there are so many times when something hasn't been a requirement and then it suddenly has been a requirement when it goes live. Um, and also it opens you up to all sorts of interesting possibilities, you know, sending a request to a specific part of the content management system through an API, through some sort of secure connection, um, and then having the, uh, dealing with a response on the, on the front end. I think that's great. Uh, also SQL. I think that people really, really should understand, uh, SQL and get to get to grips with it. Uh, and I, here I'm talking about relational databases, not uh, no SQL databases. Yeah, they're great and stuff, but then, then in my opinion, relational databases are here to stay and they take up a bigger part of the room than no SQL. I think it should be SQL that you look for. Other ones are around DevOps. Uh, okay. So if you're into DevOps, if you're into building infrastructure, uh, then learning things like Ansible, Terraform, learning AWS as well and how they do all of their infrastructure and how you can use uh, Ansible and Terraform together to create uh, configuration as code. I think that is vital um, for dev- developers who lean a little bit towards the DevOps side of things. I think that's uh, really good. And also it just teaches you how to set things up. You know, it teaches, there's so much to learn in that space. I think that is, that is super important. Um, okay. Then coming off of the, um, the, the technical space, I suppose, is agile methodologies. So if you're in waterfall right now, learn agile. Um, because, well, just, I think agile has proven itself. And I know that everybody does agile slightly differently. Some do it really well. Some do it really badly. Um, some do it in between. Some do most of it right and, and a little bit of it wrong. Um, but, just having a little understanding as uh, for agile is really important. Knowing the ceremonies, knowing how to, you know, w- what to say uh, during stand up, knowing what a scrum master is, um, knowing what retros are, 
That is super important, super important knowledge for any kind of developer doing anything front end, dev, uh, back end, um, and, and just being aware of that because you might jump onto a team that does things slightly differently or does a ceremony differently or does a ceremony that you haven't actually done yet. Um, and so you do not want to be like caught with your pants down. You want to know what to, what, what it is that you're doing before you do it. Okay. Moving back into the techie stuff. The last one here is serverless functions. So if you haven't done anything with serverless functions yet, uh, then I do recommend trying it out in 2022 because again, like I said, this is a sought after skill. I think uh, this is going to be, um, uh, floating around on, on many, uh, job descriptions, um, serverless functions, both front end and the back end, which is why I'm kind of talking a little bit more to do with DevOps today because, you know, um, and with serverless, of course, you can use, you can use front end technologies, JavaScript, Node, for instance, um, to do clever things in a serverless manner. Um, so it's, it all kind of intertwine, intertwines and intermingles. Okay. So Bernard had a question and I'm going to answer it before I go. I just move it up here. Uh, so Bernard, uh, have a Docker question. Okay. <laughs> uh, building a Laravel application with Docker, but I'm having some issues on SSL certificate setup. Do you, do I need to install into, uh, okay. So looking at that issue. Right. So it would appear from that error message, um, it's something to do with uh, the certificate has not been found, which to me sounds a little bit like the file hasn't been found. Um, so I would check, I would check that the file is actually in the container that you're porting it to. So if it's in a, if it's, I, I would do it as a bind mount. So you would have the file, on in a folder and you would, you would bind mount that folder into the Docker container. This has happened to me several times where I've, I think I've done it and I haven't done it. You would have to do a, a Docker compose up hyphen D again in order to create that bind mount. It doesn't happen automatically. Um, but yeah, I would give that a, a go and see what happens. If that doesn't work, do hit me up on the, uh, on the discord, send me a message. Um, send me your code and I'll, I'll, I'm more than happy to take a look at it. That's uh, no problem because that's a SSL stapling issue I have had before. <laughs> I have had before. Um, cool. So that was it. That is, uh, the last episode of 2021. And these are my thoughts or though those were my thoughts on what will happen in, uh, in 2022, I think it's going to be an exciting time. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I, I say this every year, but this is why I love web development. You see, everything is changing. Everything doesn't stand still. It's, we have all sorts of these interesting influences from the big companies, from new technologies coming in, from new hardware, from all sorts of different ideas and innovations. And actually what I was thinking before the stream was this is such a great time for uh, artists and content creators and just being able to try things out. It feels so indie right now in, in, in the space of, of, um, especially in the space of, of, of crypto and the blockchain and, um, uh, web assembly and, 
AI and machine learning. I just think that this is such a, a lovely space to be in, to be in right now. It's, it's, uh, it's just interesting. It, it, the thing is, we can get so focused in our, in what we do day to day. Um, for instance, I do a lot of online shops right now. I build a lot of online shops and you can get so blinkered that that is the only space that you can, that you can ever work in within the web, but there's so much more out there. There's so much more out there. Um, I've got some really interesting things coming up next year for the how to code well podcast, some really interesting stuff. Um, we're actually going to be looking at some hardware. Um, I, I don't want to give too much away just in case things don't happen, but I want to sort of start playing a little bit more on hardware as well as, you know, this is obviously a coding channel. So coding on hardware, I think that would be quite interesting. Uh, can I learn web development without starting, without starting with HTML and CSS? Um, Now, if I say no, that's going to make me sound like a gatekeeper. Uh, and I don't really want to say that. Um, can I learn web development without, this is a question, without starting with HTML and CSS? I think that you're going to find it incredibly difficult, especially not knowing HTML and, 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 and not understanding the DOM, the uh, document object model. Um, I think that's, you'll find that tough. And I think personally, I, in my opinion, I think that both backend developers and front end developers need to learn HTML. But it, the thing is, you said web development. So that's quite a massive broad thing of, of, so it really depends on what, what it is that you want to build in that space, whether you lean more towards front end or the back end, whether you're working on APIs. If you're working on APIs, of course, you don't necessarily need to know HTML and that's web development, right? <laughs> so uh, uh, it depends on what you want to do. And I know that is such a, a cop-out way of answering that question, but it depends on what you want to do. Do you need to learn HTML and CSS? To Do you need to start with those in order to learn web development? In my opinion, it's certainly going to help you out. And if you don't know it and you do start working with things and they, they, and, and those things, they re require your knowledge of CSS and the DOM, HTML and JavaScript events and other things like that, for, for instance, and attaching events to certain elements, um, traversing the DOM, getting selectors and all of that jazz. If you don't know how to do that and you are doing something else, and that thing that you're doing requires you to know that assumes that you already know that because you're, you're already working on that level, <laughs> then you're going to have a bad time. In my opinion, I would actually, I, I would spend a little bit of time just understanding what HTML and CSS is, even if it's, even if it's, um, you know, a small period of time, just, just, just do it. <laughs> In my opinion, now that's going to sound like I'm a right gatekeeper, but uh, that's my opinion. I would, I would do it. You'll, you'll, you'll benefit from it greatly going forward. I think. <coughs> um, I best place Bernard to get me is on the Discord. 
Um, so send me a message on Discord. You can do it through the private message if you want. Um, but that's the best place to get me um, with that. Uh, it, that could also be a browser issue, but um, yeah, meh. Cool. So yeah, next year, um, very interesting time with how to code well. We're going to start working on Raspberry Pis. There we go. I've said it. Boom. <laughs> I would love to get a Raspberry Pi cluster going um, in this office and um, actually build it, the build the hardware up. I want to have several of these things um, and I want to put Kubernetes on there and I want to run some apps here in the office that help with how to code well to do various things um, such as uh, do sort of build pipelines. So testing code um, that I write for how to code well locally here in the office, having the Raspberry Pis spit out uh, reports on cron jobs and I'll be doing all of that live either obviously on Twitch or on, on YouTube. But that's what I want to do. Um, and, and also, I, I, want to, I, I just want to get more involved in the hardware space. Um, there, I, I focus so much on software. And I've said before, I'm not a hardware guy, but I want to get out of my comfort zone. <laughs> so um, I'm using, that, using this channel as an excuse to do that. So cool. Right, this, this uh, annoying little spammer has come back so oh gosh report uh, they seem to just grab new new accounts every time it's so frustrating i'm gonna shoot off i think um <laughs> uh, good 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 not the not the ending to this uh this year i wanted but um anyway thank you ever so much for watching happy coding everybody take care have a fantastic uh, Christmas and a happy new year. And I, I, I just want to leave by on a happy note and just say thank you ever so much for everybody who's joined how to cope well over the coming, uh, over, over last year. And if you've been a long time listener, um, for, you know, since, since the early days where we had all sorts of interviews and stuff, uh, just a massive thank you for the, your support. And if you're new here to how to cope well, then hello. Uh, I'm very approachable. Do so on, on the Discord, howtocodewell.net forward slash Discord. Follow me along on Twitter at howtocodewell. There is a feedback form as well on the howtocodewell.fm website. So this is a podcast. This will be going out to the podcast players uh, in the coming, uh, well, tomorrow, hopefully, if I can get this done in time. Um so go to just look up how to code well podcast on Spotify or on iTunes or in Google podcasts, anywhere there, uh, you can, you can find it. Um, so how to code well.fm is the website to get the podcast. How to code well.net is the website to get my courses. How to code well.fm forward slash contact has a contact form. If you've got any suggestions for topics, uh, for next year, if you want to give me some feedback as well, uh, then that'd be great. If you want anything shouted out on the show, then let me know as well. Take care, everybody. Happy coding. And I'll see you again next year. Cheers. Bye bye.